American Catholic History is brought to you by the StarQuest Production Network and is made possible by our many generous patrons. If you'd like to support the podcast, please visit sqpn.com slash give. Hello and welcome to American Catholic History, sponsored by Beatrix Media, providing writing, digital marketing, website strategy and construction, and search engine optimization services. Visit BeatrixMedia.com. Experience your world communicated. If you like American Catholic history, please help others find it by sharing this episode and giving us a five-star rating wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Noelle Heaster-Crow. And I'm Tom Crow. Today, we're talking about Vince Lombardi, who is regarded by many to be the best football coach of all time. Lombardi was the coach for the Green Bay Packers from 1959 to 1967, winning five National Football League championships including the first two Super Bowls. And beginning with Super Bowl V, played in January of 1971, the trophy given to the winner of the Super Bowl is named in Lombardi's honor. This honor wasn't only because he won the first two, it was because of how respected he was as a coach and a leader. He never had a losing season as a head coach. He took over two different franchises that were just awful and made them successful practically overnight and he inspired the admiration of everyone whom he coached. This last bit, that he inspired his players, was the biggest reason he was so successful. Yes, he was good at drawing up plays, the Packers' sweep was practically unstoppable in its day, but what he did better than anyone else was getting the most out of his players. Or, to put it more rightly, he inspired his players to give their best and to be the best football players that they could be. That sounds a lot like the Christian life well-lived. It does. Do the best you can with what you are given. It fits, because Lombardi was a lifelong Catholic, a daily communicant, and he even considered being a priest for a time. Right. And if you read through the many, many quotes that are available from him, a fair number of them sound an awful lot like Christian calls to virtue, things Catholics believe about the sacraments or like Bible passages. Like when he said, the greatest accomplishment is not in never falling— but in rising again after you fall. Exactly. That's what we say about sin and repentance. It's not a question of whether or not you'll sin, you will. The question is whether, after you've sinned, you turn back to God, go to confession, and set out again with a renewed commitment not to sin again. That's the greatest accomplishment. This isn't surprising. His Catholic education very much informed how he approached coaching. So let's start with his story. He was born in Brooklyn, New York on June 11, 1913. He was the oldest of five children, and his parents were both immigrants from Italy. He grew up working with his father in the family meat-cutting shop and came to realize he didn't like the business. He played football with the kids in his neighborhood and, and in a semi-organized community league. He would go to Mass daily with his mother and siblings. He served at the altar. And at some point when he was young, he decided that he wanted to become a priest. He told his mom, and she, of course, started telling everyone, because that's what moms do. So after graduating eighth grade, he entered a preparatory seminary high school. But after four years, he decided that the priesthood was not for him. He transferred to another preparatory school, and there he played football. After only one year there, he was offered a scholarship to play at Fordham. So he enrolled and spent his college years as an offensive lineman for the Fordham Rams. During his time, the offensive line was so dominant that they came to be known as the Seven Blocks of Granite. 
Lombardi, however, at only five foot eight and not that big, was perhaps the weakest link in that sturdy line. But hey, he was part of the team, and at the conclusion of his senior year, Fordham was ranked number three in the nation. After graduating from Fordham, Lombardi didn't quite know what to do. He tried a number of different things, including one semester of law school. But that only helped him learn how much he did not want to be a lawyer. One thing he knew was that he needed to find some steady job so he could marry his girlfriend, Marie Planets. Fortunately, something came along in 1939. Andy Palau, the quarterback from those successful Fordham teams, was head football coach at St. Cecilia High School in Englewood, New Jersey. Palau offered Lombardi a job as an assistant coach and a teacher, and Lombardi leapt at the opportunity. At St. Cecilia, he taught Latin, chemistry, and physics, as well as being the assistant football coach. He also let himself get talked into coaching basketball for a while. And of course, he ended up being successful as a basketball coach, too. But it was football where his passion really lay. After just a few seasons, Palau was hired by Fordham, and Lombardi took over as head coach in 1942. St. Cecilia had been a successful program under Palau, so Lombardi was embarrassed that they lost his first game. But that was a rare experience afterward. They didn't lose again that year. Then they went undefeated the following year. In fact, they didn't lose another game until the final game of 1945, three years later. The legend of Vince Lombardi was born. And what was true of him later in his coaching career began here at St. Cecilia. He had a knack for gauging how much he could expect from each person and then motivating them to achieve what they were capable of achieving. He also was adept at identifying where a player should play, which wasn't always where they wanted to play, nor where they had been playing previously. He worked his players hard. He got into the practices with them, taking them on physically and showing them by his own demonstration how to be excellent. One former player said they appreciated what he was doing in retrospect. They knew he was showing them the price of excellence, and he hated to lose. Over his career, he came to hate losing more than he loved winning. He once said, show me a good loser, and I'll show you a loser. Another former St. Cecilia player recalled him saying, People will tell you it's important to be a good loser. Let the other team learn how to be a good loser. I want you to be a good winner here. He was all about instilling a culture of winning. He refused to accept losing and making excuses for losses. He said, Don't succumb to excuses. Go back to the job of making the corrections and forming the habits that will make your goals possible. Which sounds like something someone could say about virtue and the spiritual life. Exactly, and he knew that. He said, football is like life. It requires perseverance, self-denial, hard work, sacrifice, dedication, and respect for authority. Again, a blueprint for the Christian life. Seriously. Another Lombardi line that may well have come from this era and sounds like good spiritual advice is... Practice does not make perfect, only perfect practice makes perfect. No, that's not how that line is usually remembered. It's usually said simply, practice makes perfect. But it's true. What good does lackadaisical practice do? If you're not practicing hard to be as good as you can be on game day, well, you won't be good. So yeah, the quality of the practice matters, not just the fact of practicing. And that's true of football as well as the life of virtue. He also said, and this is a great line for considering the life of virtue, winning is not a sometime thing. It is an all the time thing. 
You don't win once in a while. You don't do things right once in a while. You do them right all the time. Winning is habit. Unfortunately, so is losing. Right. Consider that in the light of virtue. Virtue is a matter of habit formed by choosing virtue, and so is vice. There certainly is temptation, but through grace, the choice is ours. Now, again, we're not sure which of these lines came from his time at St. Cecilia, but his Catholic imagination was already fueled by this point, and his coaching style was born during these years. So the thinking behind them was already in play. In 1947, after his successful run as head coach at St. Cecilia, Lombardi was hired by Fordham as an assistant coach. He was there for one year, and then he was hired by the U.S. Military Academy at West Point, where he served very well as offensive line coach for the Army until 1954. That year, he finally broke into the NFL coaching ranks when the New York Giants hired him to be their offensive coordinator. The Giants had only won three games the year before, so they revamped their coaching staff. Joining the team at the same time as Lombardi was a new defensive coordinator, a guy by the name of Tom Landry. Well, that's a name football fans should be familiar with. Uh, yeah, another of the greatest coaches of all time. He had a pretty good run with the Dallas Cowboys. He sure did. The head coach for that Giants team, Jim Lee Howell, recognized the great coaches he had immediately under him and equipped that his only real responsibility was making sure the ball had air in them. So the Giants predictably improved dramatically. They won the NFL championship in 1956 and got back to the championship game in 1958, but they lost. After the season, Lombardi was finally given a chance to be a head coach once again when he was hired by the Green Bay Packers. And this was a big opportunity for him. He had only been a head coach once before back at St. Cecilia High School, and here he was taking over the reins of a professional football team. But it wasn't much of a risk for Green Bay either. He may not have had head coaching experience beyond high school, but the Packers were a struggling franchise. They hadn't had a winning season in more than a decade, and they'd suffered through a 1-10-1 season the year before, so they weren't exactly in a position to be choosy. So they took a chance on Lombardi. Hey, why not? Seriously, and what a chance. But honestly, it wasn't like he wasn't a respected coach, even if he didn't have a ton of head coaching experience. He had a great resume at Army and with the Giants, contributing mightily to the success of both teams, so someone was going to take that chance. The Packers were the team with the opening, so they won, if you will. And boy, did they win. His first season with the Packers, they went 7-5. and five. His second season, they went 8-4 and four and made it to the NFL championship game, losing in a nail-biter to the Philadelphia Eagles. After this loss, which ended with the Packers driving for a potential winning score, Lombardi vowed they'd get back and they wouldn't lose again. He famously said his team didn't lose, they just ran out of time. Which, I mean, I get what he's saying, but the clock is part of the game that both teams have to contend with, so if the clock expires and you have fewer points, you lost. <sighs> You know what he meant. Yeah, I get it. It's, it's very motivational. Anyhow, the important point is that he was an amazing coach, and what he said that year came true. The Packers returned to the championship game after the 1961 season, and they won. Then they got back and won it again after the 1962 season, going 13-1 and that year. They missed the championship game the following two seasons, 1963 and 1964, but then pulled off a three-peat, winning the NFL championship after the 1965, 66, and 67 seasons. For those keeping score at home, 
That means they won the first two Super Bowls. Now, a quick aside for those who don't know, the game we all know now as the Super Bowl is the championship game for the modern National Football League. Though the National Football League was founded in 1920, the modern NFL came into being when the NFL merged with a rival football league, the American Football League, in 1966. For the first four years, the NFL and the AFL maintained separate regular season schedules, and only their top teams played each other in this championship game. The third of these championship games, which was played in 1969, after the conclusion of the 1968 season, was the first one called the Super Bowl, so Super Bowl III. And then the merger was completed in 1970 when the two leagues ceased to exist as separate entities and became two conferences, the American Football Conference and the National Football Conference, within the National Football League. And that's how it's been ever since. This year's football season will culminate in Super Bowl 56, or LVI since they use Roman numerals, which will be played on February 13th, 2022. But anyhow, back to Lombardi and his dominance of professional football just as the modern NFL was emerging. Right. He was coach of the Packers through this epochal time of professional football, and his winning formula was much as it had been at St. Cecilia. He identified each player's strengths and worked to get the most out of each player. He said coaches who can outline plays on a blackboard are a dime a dozen. The ones who win get inside their players and motivate. Part of how he did that was by seeing them as human persons and as Green Bay Packers and not as white, black or whatever. He had zero tolerance for racism in his locker room. And it wasn't just in his locker room. In the community, he let it be known that if any of his minority players experienced racism in a restaurant, hotel or other establishment, that establishment would be forbidden to his entire team. His players loved him for this and played harder and more cohesively as a result. It was part of giving it his all and getting his players to do the same as well. He said, there's only one way to succeed in anything, and that is to give it everything. I do, and I demand that my players do. For him, this often meant playing through hurts and injuries because, as he said, the good Lord gave you a body that can stand most anything. It's your mind you have to convince. Maybe not the most sound medical advice, but he got some of the toughest play out of his players on the field because he knew, again, how to motivate. And he insisted that they all maintain their priorities off the field. For himself, he famously said that he derived his strength from daily mass and communion. And he insisted on a healthy balance for his players, too. He said, There are three things that are important to every man in this locker room. His God, his family, and the Green Bay Packers, in that order. And God definitely did hold a major place in his life. During his time as coach of the Packers, he would start every day with 8 a.m. Mass at St. Willibrod Parish, which is just around the corner from his office. This was also the parish where the Catholics on visiting teams would come for Mass on Sunday game day. So, yes, God held first position in his life, but his family may have disputed that they ranked ahead of the Packers. Yeah, it seemed that Vince Lombardi had the same problem a lot of families of coaches have. The sport, the team, the game takes over life. Family events and family needs take a backseat way too often. Now, this can be true of people who become too devoted to professional success in any industry, but it seems to happen with coaches particularly because, well, sports events tend to happen more often on weekends and during other times when families generally are supposed to be doing things together, and Lombardi's family was not immune from this stress. 
His wife Maria struggled with alcoholism for many years, and the kids struggled with wondering why their father was rarely home, and when he was, why he was so easily angry. It's not that he didn't love his family, but it seemed that he wasn't able to be a different person at home than he was with the players. He expected perfection, and unlike players who could be swapped out and replaced if they couldn't be motivated, his family members couldn't just get in line, so there were tremendous struggles there. Yeah, family life was not idyllic. No. Lombardi retired from the Green Bay Packers suddenly in 1968 after winning Super Bowl II. He didn't coach during the 1968 season, but he nearly picked up another prominent public role. President Richard Nixon briefly considered asking Lombardi to run as his vice president in 1968. But he dropped Lombardi from contention when he learned that Lombardi was a lifelong Democrat. Lombardi returned to the sidelines for the 1969 season for the Washington Redskins. The Redskins, like the 1950s Packers, had been terrible for years. And like the 1959 Packers, the Redskins suddenly found success with Lombardi at the helm. In 1968, the Redskins went 5-9, and in his first year, Lombardi had the Redskins improve to seven wins, five losses, and two ties. Unfortunately, this proved to be his only season coaching the Redskins because in June of 1970, he was diagnosed with colon cancer. In July, the cancer was determined to be terminal and aggressive. Lombardi and his family had only about six weeks between the terminal diagnosis and his death. He received players, friends, family, and of course, visits from priests with the sacraments. To one priest, he confided, I'm not afraid to die, it's just that I had so much left to do in this world. Death came for the coach on September 3, 1970, when he was just 57 years old. He had once said, the measure of who we are is what we do with what we have. It's probably safe to say that Vince Lombardi will never be on the path to sainthood, but he still provides an example to follow of one who strove to live his Catholic faith in everything he did and gave his all no matter what. You've been listening to American Catholic History, sponsored by Beatrix Media on the StarQuest Production Network. If you've been enjoying our podcast, please help others find it by sharing this episode and by giving us a five-star rating and a good review. And be sure to check out our sponsor, Beatrix Media, providing writing, digital marketing, website strategy and construction, and search engine optimization services. Visit BeatrixMedia.com. Experience your world communicated. Also, please support the many fine productions of SQPN at sqpn.com slash give. To learn more about Vince Lombardi, to find previous episodes, or to learn about our upcoming pilgrimages to important and unforgettable Catholic holy sites, please visit AmericanCatholicHistory.org. We also love feedback and hearing about great Catholic history sites and stories from all over. You can email us at history at sqpn.com or find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash American Catholic History, on Instagram at ACH underscore podcast, or follow StarQuest on Twitter at SQPN. I'm Noelle Heaster-Crow. And I'm Tom Crow. Thank you once again for joining us on American Catholic History, sponsored by Beatrix Media and produced by StarQuest.